0: Good morning, Northgate. Welcome to my sunroom, and I pray that this day will be a real day of blessing for you wherever we may wind up meeting. Maybe in person, not quite sure how the weather is going to turn out, but we do pray a blessing upon you as you hear this message, and may you be encouraged by it. A couple of announcements I just want to bring. Dan is away. He and Amy and the kids are down in the States having a time of vacation, and we wish them every blessing. They're glad that they have a chance of getting away. For those of you that know Sabrina and Roman, they are going to be moving next Sunday. So they do need some help. And if you can contact them if you're available to help, I'm sure they'd love to hear from you. Uh, We're continuing to uh, meet through the summer months at Dan and Amy's. Always conditional on the weather. We can't do it outside in the rain with a sound system. So watch on Saturday nights for an announcement that would come out if it's going to be rainy. So far, we've done pretty well, but we're not sure yet about this Sunday. Today, I'd like to speak a little bit, continuing on with the readings that we're doing as a church. Uh, I'd like to talk a bit about the behind the scenes of Saul's conversion. And as I've become so aware of, we know these stories very, very well, but I've been actually learning to take time to actually stay in the story, to put myself in the story. Not to make it about me, but to put myself in the story and look at it from a perspective of um, what would I do? To ponder on it, to ask questions, to think from a perspective of, wow, how is this person? God asked me to do that. How would I do it? So I've been quite captured by Saul's conversion but more from behind the scenes, taking a look there. And I'd like to talk to you about that this today. As we go through the story of Saul's conversion, if you recall it, which I'm sure you do, Acts 7 ends with Stephen being stoned by the crowd because he was a follower of Christ. (coughs) Excuse me. It says at the end of Acts 7, beginning of Acts 8, that Saul was present at the stoning of Stephen, and he was there in some sort of official, perhaps religious capacity. And he was there and he watched, and it says in chapter 8 at the beginning, that he actually approved of this execution. He was a man of power, recognized by the people, and he approved of this execution. As we know from the story, if we've heard many times, I assume all of us have heard the story of Saul, uh, he was on his way to destroy anything to do with these followers of Christ. He was bent on destroying anybody that belonged to this movement called the Way, that followed Jesus, that was destroying Judaism. He was passionate, about protecting his faith, including killing people that were against it. He was breathing, the scripture says, murder, murderous threats to the church, and was now heading to Damascus to wreak havoc there upon the believers of Jesus. As you would recall from the story, he has an amazing encounter with Jesus. Scripture refers to the light and Jesus speaking directly to Saul. What an amazing encounter. Here's a man passionate about protecting his faith, and he is in an encounter with the true living Christ, whom real faith is found. The light that shone around him was so bright that when Saul actually opens his eyes, He's blinded. He can't see. He can't do anything. And he's got some friends around him that are quite stunned by all of this because they heard a voice. I don't know if they saw the light or not, but they certainly heard a voice and heard what this voice said to Saul. And they were with him on his adventure to go and destroy these works of Christ. Excuse me. but instead they're stopped, he's stopped. They're stopped in their tracks. And and Saul can no longer see. So instead of them going with him as he's going to destroy the works of the followers of Christ in Damascus, instead they help him as he makes his way to Damascus, blinded by the light of Christ. interesting as he gets there it says that actually Saul is um he's praying and he fasts and he's waiting upon God for direction and God gives Paul or well Saul as he is referred to in that part of the story um, God gives Saul a, um, a vision that somebody's gonna come and lay hands on him so Saul waits and fasts and pray doesn't drink doesn't eat nothing and he's just waiting for God Bring this man to come and lay hands on him so that his sight would be restored. In chapter 9 of Acts, it goes on to say that in verse 10, I'd like to read it to you. I'll be reading it out of the ESV. It says, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise up. And go to a street called Straight, to the house of Judas, and look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias replied, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose, was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. I love this little conversation between Ananias and the Lord. Jesus speaks, Ananias. Ananias replies, here I am, Lord. What a beautiful reply. No idea what Jesus is going to be asking of him, but his reply is, here I am. Beautiful. Jesus says, rise up and go. A very specific instruction. Go to Street Street. Go here. You will meet a man, and he already knows you're coming and he knows your name. Amazing. And Ananias wisely said, Lord, I have heard of this man. He is the authority to bind us, he's done all this harm in Jerusalem. He is the authority of the chief priests. Who am I to go? You know, we can look at that at two ways. I remember, you know, some. Moses and Noah, they kind of, you know, who am I? But in this case, I looked at Ananias and I thought, he's actually wise in having this conversation with Jesus because he's being asked to do something that his wisdom, his own knowledge says is a foolish thing to do. But he also knows Jesus and he replied to, here I am, Lord. So he's working through the logic of himself as a man and the logic of him as one in the spirit with Christ. And so Jesus is asking him, go. And he says, but Lord, I'm not sure. Jesus gives his clear revelation to Ananias about the importance of Saul and why he must go and the importance of what God is going to do through this man's life. So Ananias is willing to risk his own life for the sake of the gospel to go and to meet Saul to go to that house and face what could be his own death, but also to test his confidence in the word of Christ to him when Jesus says go. So it says in verse 17 that Ananias departed and entered the house where Saul was staying and laying hands on Saul think of that intimate touch when you lay hands on somebody. There's a a communion that takes place. And laying hands on them in the Spirit, you're imparting the Spirit of Christ in me to you. And and there's a blessing, there's a connection that takes place. But here's the words that really just stood out to me as I was reading this. I hear it. I hear it with perhaps a little bit of imagination on my part. But I hear the words of Ananias to Saul brother saul ananias had obviously worked through his anger his fear all the judgments he would have had upon saul he's obviously working through with jesus before he goes and he's able to see this man through the eyes of christ how christ sees him and how christ is calling him so he's able to go and just say brother saul And as he does so, as he's obedient to what the Spirit of God is leading him into, the scales fall off Saul's eyes. He regains his sight. He rises up. He's baptized. He's strengthened and immediately goes out and proclaims that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the last we hear of Ananias. First we hear of him, last we hear of him. That's his claim to fame, so to speak. But through that man's obedience... Look at how the New Testament church was brought to life in so many ways through Saul, which we now know as Paul. Amazing how God used that man. God used Ananias, chose to use Ananias to go and minister to Saul so that Saul in turn could continue to minister to us. You and I today are being ministered to through the words of the spirit that, that spoke through to us today. Saul was very, very very so Saul and Paul are the same name. so Saul was very effective in his ministry so much so that very quickly the Jews hated this man. A man that was once hating the believers and, and champion for the Jews is now against them and preaching to them this gospel. They were horrified, they were angry. And so they set out to kill him. So Saul heads down to Jerusalem. I wish you could say that it all went really well when he went down to Jerusalem, but it wasn't like they had Facebook or we could send out a quick little message or we could phone somebody. Nothing. There was no way of the believers in Jerusalem having any idea there's been any change in Saul. The last they heard, he was killing people and, and bringing them all, and throwing them into prison and doing all sorts of stuff. They were terrified of him. And now he is coming once again. They're afraid of him. And they did not believe that he was a disciple of Christ. And quite honestly, there was good reason why they didn't believe it. There's no way of them knowing. So I don't berate them for not accepting him right away. I understand it. But as it goes on in chapter 10, verse 26, it says uh, in, in Acts, And when he, Saul, had come to Jerusalem he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how in Damascus he had boldly preached in the name of Christ. So from that acceptance, Saul went in and out among Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus. When I looked up Barnabas, why Barnabas? How did he fit into this? There is some thought that they may have known each other, that Barnabas and Saul may have known each other. They were from towns not far from each other, and they would have heard or have known of each other. So somehow God used Barnabas to be the connection, to introduce Saul, the converted one now, to the disciples in Jerusalem, where they did in turn accept him and welcome him. And God used Saul so powerfully, not only to minister to the Jews, but then on to the Gentiles as well. As I was praying on this lesson and thinking about Saul's conversion, I was thinking how hard it is for us when somebody has really hurt us, especially if they've hurt us in the faith or if they've been part of something we've been part of, and then they hurt those around us. It's very hard for us to forgive them and to welcome them back. And what I see about Saul's conversion, which I really see about all of us when we're converted into Christ, is all that we've done in the past is forgiven. Clean slate. And the difficulty then rests with you and I. Can we give them a clean slate as well? Can we be like Ananias? Can we be like Barnabas? Can we be like the disciples and say, no, This man has truly been won over for Christ. And when we see the work of Christ in them, we can see that truly they've been changed. We don't set up requirements for them. We know it in the spirit. We see it. We see it in their countenance. We hear it. Now, as I've mentioned, I've worked with Jericho Road and some of the addicts, they would say right up front, they're the best liars in the world. So it's not so much what we hear, it's how we see and maybe more like seeing with our spirit that we know there's something truly, truly transformed. I have the joy of meeting people after they've accepted Christ and sometimes I may meet them and it's been a while and they' look at them and think, you look different. There's something different about you. And I'm sure that's what they saw when they actually saw Saul. Who is this man? He's so different than the one that was uttering murderous threats He's been changed. He's encountered Jesus. He's been forgiven. He's been baptized. He's set out now to proclaim the name of Christ. And we as believers have the freedom and joy to welcome him into our fellowship. As I was praying and thinking about this, this thought came to my mind sort of like this, is to not look at a person's past but rather at what Christ has done and in doing in the person in the present. My past isn't remembered before Christ He's forgiven me. Well, if I've done anything against the law, I'm responsible for that. But what I've done before God, Christ has forgiven me. What you've done before God, Christ has forgiven you. And so you and I walk in fellowship together through the forgiveness of what Christ has given and done for us. We've all been forgiven much. Those of us that follow Jesus, we are all here by grace, not of anything we've done. We can always extend that grace no matter what anybody has done. And we welcome them into our fellowship as followers of Christ. The believers in Jerusalem in particular, And even those that were in Damascus knew that Saul would have murdered those that they loved and followed. And they chose to extend forgiveness, the forgiveness of Christ. As Christ extended it to Saul, here's Saul who has murdered followers of Jesus. And Jesus forgives him, calls him into ministry. We, too. Have that ability by God's Spirit to offer that same forgiveness that was offered by Christ to Saul. We have that same ability to offer that forgiveness to those that we fellowship with that truly belong to Christ. We see Christ in them, they see Christ in us, and we have fellowship together. The second point I got out of this lesson was I was really quite taken by Ananias. See, I look at how many of us, we think we have an option of choosing to obey Christ. And really, true followers of Christ that are surrendered to him have no option but to say yes. We can ask questions. We can ask for clarification. We can say, Lord, we're not sure. and He will speak to us. He will affirm to us like he did with Ananias, like he did through Barnabas. He will, he will use us that way but our response is always, yes, Lord. I've tried my best for the last five, six, seven years just to say, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do. Whatever, I'll do. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's frightening. But I'm not at a place where I get to choose what I want to do and what I don't. I belong to Christ. You and I belong to Christ. And it's not our place anymore to think that we can say no. And I wonder... What gets missed out when we say no? If I've been given a word to share of encouragement to somebody and I don't share it, what happens to them? I know God can use other people, but I quite frankly, sometimes I think people just miss out because we haven't done our part. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. It's an invitation into the kingdom of God. It's an invitation into the fullness of the kingdom of God to see what he's doing. And who knows what insights he'll give you as he did with Ananias about what he was going to do with Saul. Ananias was likely the only one that knew what was going to happen in Saul's life. God entrusted him with that knowledge, and who knows what all he might entrust to you. I pray that you are encouraged through this story of the life of Saul, and through Ananias and Barnabas, and how the disciples welcomed Saul, and how God used this incredibly broken man to do great things for the kingdom, and how God can use any one of us to do great things for him as well. Our place, here I am, Lord. Like Ananias said, here I am, Lord. And here we are. May that be your prayer. May that be my prayer and our response to everything that God asks of us. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the way you revealed yourself to Saul. And through this revelation of you, there was an absolute transformation of that man's life. A complete 180. And he became passionate in his proclamation of you. I love that. I love that part of the story. But I also love how Ananias was willing just to say, here I am, Lord. And willing to do what exactly you asked him to do. Thank you for Ananias' obedience. Thank you for what it shows us. How you're asking us to to do that same obedience. And even Barnabas, if he had some fear of just, what am I doing? Or the disciples welcoming Saul back or into the fold. I thank you for giving us this trust that we can see you and others and have the confidence of your life in them that they're totally trustworthy. Thank you that you change us. Thank you that you make us new. Thank you that the past is behind us and the present is before us. Wait for the day when we see you face-to-face, Jesus. Thank you for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you again.